Hello and welcome to The Plotting Shed. You're listening to Rachel McCarty, founder of plotplots.com and author of the book I Want to Like My Garden. Each week, The Plotting Shed discusses different aspects of garden design, but we focus on things that other books don't really talk about. I hope you enjoy this podcast and do please hit the subscribe now button so you don't miss another episode. Hi, hello, good morning, good afternoon, welcome back. You're listening to Rachel McCarty of Plant Plots. Lovely to speak to you again. Well, I'm following on this week from last week's podcast which is about how you can have an amazing garden even if you're not a gardener. I don't really consider myself a gardener even though I do it for a living, I have a biggish garden, I wouldn't still not put myself in the realms of being an expert gardener because I don't like doing a lot of gardening stuff I I just like my garden to look good and look the way I want it to be. Now, some people might say that doesn't make me a gardener. Well, I completely agree with them. And you know what? That's fine by me. So my approach has always been, as I explained last week, is to take on changing and enhancing and adapting your garden from a really practical, cost-effective point of view. It's about making the best of your space for the minimum effort and the minimum cost. If I can make the necessary changes to a space that will transform it from being an average or an ordinary or a bit dull and boring into something that you enjoy being in or I enjoy being in, then that's great. We don't need to go from zero to 100 to make things better. We can have zero to 50, zero to 30. We've made things better. But the difference being, you can manage the 30, the 50 change, but you could never manage the zero to 100 change if we had one of those soup garden landing in in our backyard. It would be something that we couldn't maintain. This week, I was going to talk about avoiding mistakes because last week we were looking about eliminating the negatives that are currently in your garden because that automatically becomes positive. But when we're going to make changes to anything, we need to anticipate the negatives of the future. Because let's face it, we do not want to design in a problem. We do not want to create a garden. Well, I certainly don't want to create a garden that I then am a slave to for the next 20, 30 years. Because unless I keep doing all of this, that and the other, then the garden doesn't look the way that I want it to. I would like to have a garden I enjoy. I would like to have a garden that I am in and that I use, but that doesn't upset me if I'm not keeping it absolutely pristine, this, that and the other, because the garden doesn't need to look like that. So this week it's all about your 
Attention to detail for planning ahead. If you're going to make changes, what are the consequences? I create and design gardens and I have people sending me pictures of gardens from all over the world. And sometimes I, I will admit to you, I look at them and I think, holy moly, where on earth do I start? What am I going to do and how am I going to help this particular client? And so if it's overwhelming for me, goodness knows how overwhelming it can be when you don't have any plant knowledge. I thought, again, if I sit and talk through the practicalities of how we go about things and the things that we can avoid doing, it will help you be more adventurous. Because if you are faced with changing your garden, and I had a, an email from a client, you know, the other day for their front garden, which was just a typical, it was just a, it was just grass. There's the driveway and there's a patch of grass. And the word she used was forlorn. You know, my garden just is forlorn. But because you don't know what to do and making changes and gardens and building gardens is expensive, people play safe. They do things and they copy things that the neighbours might do or have the same plants as they do down the road or that their family has and they lay it out in a familiar way. But then create a bland, underperforming, uninspiring space because you just, you didn't want to get it wrong. So you didn't do much. And then you're faced with the, well, I didn't do much view down your garden forever. So this is all about giving you the confidence to make good decisions about your future plans. So last week, we spoke about emotional negatives and practical negatives of your existing garden. But when you're planning ahead and planning to make changes to your garden, it's all about practical. You have to think through what are the consequences of your decision. And the reason that we get these issues and problems arising is that because we don't understand why we're doing something, or we haven't questioned why we're doing something enough, you get seduced by images and pictures and ideas to copy. Now, there's nothing wrong with copying them, but you have to apply the same decision-making principles before you choose to copy them exactly, or you can choose to adapt what you are doing. And the most common issue with any change in garden design or garden layout is with the hard landscaping. It's expensive to, to put down building changes indoors and it is expensive outdoors. And if we get it wrong, then we are faced with that issue and that problem forever and a day. So the starting point for any planning decision that you need to make for your garden is this. And it's very simple. How will Mother Nature muck it up? 
What will Mother Nature do to my hard landscaping that will cause me maintenance work or chores or issues? Because everybody's microclimate will be different. Mother Nature will do different things. You might have a big tree on your verge outside, a beautiful chestnut tree that's in the, you know, the council grow and it's fabulous, but it's the roosting point for the whole of the neighborhood's pigeons. It has to be an issue in your decision-making process. Birds will poop. What are you going to do with the bird poop? Will it stain? What difficulties will you have because if you don't think about it, it doesn't matter how wonderful the paving or the patio or the hard landscaping or whatever it is you put down, the bird poop is still going to arrive and you need to have had a plan to deal with it. How much detritus will get blown in? Where will the wind blow the weed seeds? Where will the wind blow the leaves when they come down in the autumn or the fall? How easy is it going to be for you to clear them up from that place? You might be planning a certain style of garden and you want white rendered walls. Well, white rendered walls are fabulous in hot, dry climates. In other parts of the world where we have warm, mild, wet winters, we get green algae. So no matter how much you want to have your white rendered walls, you know that you're going to have to deal with cleaning them. Now, that's a choice that you can make as long as you know what you are going to have to do to maintain that hard landscaping feature at its pristine level, i.e. the day after it was finished, or, you know, if you, if you know that that's what you're going to have to do and you're happy to take that on board, fine. It's not a problem, is it? All I'm asking is that you have considered it. You've looked at what the practicalities would be and you accept the consequences of that decision. Now, I personally prefer to be lazy, so I wouldn't design in a a problem like that and I think sometimes when we see designs on the internet and you look on Pinterest and all these sorts of things you see all these little finishing touches and you think wow that looks really amazing but if you don't look at the consequences of that decision when you apply it to your garden it's such a nightmare I've done it and I'll hold my hands up decorative pebbles that was my failure decorative pebbles and block paving I love the idea of block paving. I, I really like it as a, as, a, as a medium to walk on. It's just really nice and interesting. Didn't consider my garden. My garden is surrounded by birch seeds and it's the weed issue in my block paving is an utter nightmare. I wish I had thought it through 20 years ago and thought, hmm, everything about this path is downwind. The patio is downwind of where everything will blow into. The planting that I'm going to have, there's a lot of wind-blown pollinators and I'm putting in something with a high percentage of sand joins. You get my point. 
The problem being is the duration of time that you end up being stuck with that design issue because you've spent the money on the hard landscaping. One of the classic don't design in a problem issues I always see is an over-decoration of hard landscaping. You know, with my decorative pebbles that I, that I had, you can't brush them, you can't sweep them, you have to hand-pick debris out of them. They were white pebbles, they're now green pebbles. I have to lift them every couple of years and scrub them if I want white pebbles. Why on earth did I think white pebbles would look good there? Didn't plan ahead. Very often when people get landscapers and builders into design gardens, you know, their profit centres and their decision-making process is based on a different set of circumstances than maybe yours. And you'll see paths and they're lined with this, or maybe there's a different gravel edging between this and, and the lawn. Or maybe they've put decorative pebbles down in a, an attractive rill down the middle of your patio, or you have a water rill. And it looks fabulous. The day after they leave, it looks amazing. But it's all downhill from there because nature will interfere. And we just need to understand the negative consequences of that. And then you can choose, can't you? You can choose if you want to uphold that level of maintenance. I was talking to a client or a prospective client who, who rang me up out of the blue a couple of weeks ago and she said to me, you know, she was talking about her gut and what she wanted to achieve in this space and it was a sort of a, a converted barn and they just had what would have been field grass. And she said, you know, I go around to my neighbour and she never sits still because if a leaf drops, if a this drops, if a, anything's out of place, if a, if a flower's not straight or something's flopping, this garden is completely manicured up to the eyeballs nothing is out of place now that's fine if that's your choice if it makes you happy and that's what you want then great the garden's delivering for you isn't it but more often than not it's not what you want is it garden design is really all about asking questions eliminating negatives anticipating future negatives if you are planning on hard landscaping changes or redesigning the layout of your garden, then what, why and how are the three most important words you need to use? What will happen in winter if I put this paving down? Is it that it's a really beautiful shiny porcelain but in the winter time it's really slippery because it's in the shade and there's algae on here think ahead if i edge my patio with this little cobble can i sweep out those little weed seeds i'm downwind or my, my paving my main patio is downwind of this particular border i'll get weed seeds would i be better off closing the joins in the paving. If I put bark chipping as this edging across the border here, how many blackbirds are going to come and chuck it onto the lawn and how will that affect my mowing? I've got this beautiful sweep of 
a garden border here, which is a lovely arcing curve all the way around the corner here. How easy is it for me to keep the line of that looking really crisp and sharp? Because the design relies on that line looking nice and neat. If I put edging in, what level should the edging be so that I can mow it easily? Am I planting lawn right up to the fence? Can I get the mower? Where does the cutter deck finish? so that I can't get that little strip by the fence mown. I've got to come back with the edging shears. Simple little thought processes like this can save you hours and hours of future maintenance. I think possibly the main element, you know, in terms of everything with hard landscaping is to keep it simple. Ultimately, you walk on hard landscaping. We wander around the gardens looking at plants and everything else. The hard landscaping shouldn't be the feature that jumps out at you. But more often than not, it is the feature that jumps out of you because it hasn't been maintained or it's got weeds or it looks tatty or it's we've got to constantly work it. But it's not just hard landscaping, is it? You know, that's part of it. It's also plants. We, we have plants that we might have inherited, there may be plants in the garden that are simply too big to change, there may be plants that we acquire. And it's easy to make mistakes with plants, again, that we get seduced when we're buying things. Uh, we go to the garden centre, we go to the flower shows, we go to Hampton Court, and there's all these wonderful plants, oh yes, I want one of those, and I want one of those, and I want one of those, and that's great, and that's fine, and that's the nice part about gardening. But if you plant something and it's in the wrong place or it doesn't grow the way that you, you want to have, very often, again, people are too worried about moving it or changing it or digging things up and relaying things down. If you're not happy with a plant doing something, people are worried about changing it. Well, that's the easiest thing to change, actually. The hard landscaping is much, much harder to change. Changing how your plants look and the shape and the size and how well they grow is the easiest part of gardening. So it's this reluctance to get the spade in, to move something that is a problem or move something that isn't thriving. We just live with a limp-looking plant like you would do in your house. I mean, I don't know many people who keep absolutely everything the same forever. We swap the furniture around, we move ornaments and objects, we change paintings around to freshen things up and liven things up. So don't accept underperformance in a plant. Don't accept a triffid causing you a problem. Deal with it. There are lots of other things that we can add into the garden. Just because it's there already, it doesn't have to stay there. So again, can you see all that we're doing is we haven't added anything new to the garden yet. We haven't created anything necessarily amazing or fantastic in terms of new stuff. We're just planning ahead and removing negative elements or we're looking at the planting in our garden going, yeah, let's remove those negative. We can change things easily in order that by taking away negatives, we're automatically making the garden feel better.
most important things. How, why, what. What will Mother Nature do to this? Or how will Mother Nature affect this idea that I'm planning of having? What will, how will it mess it up? And I just need to plan around that because Mother Nature will mess it up. If we can make sure that the consequences of Mother Nature messing it up give us the minimum amount of work to do, you will have made a positive change to your garden and not designed in further problems or more maintenance. Next week, I'm going to give you then some tips about how to make the maintenance of your garden easier, less time consuming, less stressful and better for the environment. Well, thank you for listening. You have been listening to Rachel McCartane of The Plotting Shed. If you've got any questions about this podcast, please email me, rachel at plantplots.com, or you visit the website with loads of different information on garden design and gardening advice, along with planting plans that you can download. You can look at the designs that we've created. So do take a look and please do hit the subscribe now button so you don't miss another episode. You can also donate if you go onto the website plantplots.com. There's a little button there saying you can buy me a coffee. So all donations will be hugely appreciated. Thank you very much. Enjoy your week. Enjoy your garden. Take care and stay well.